For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joshua. I am the youth coordinator at Citywide Church. Give it up for the youth. Woo! Yeah. And I have the pleasure today to bring you the word. Um, I'm so honored and I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I have this opportunity to stand before you today. Um, firstly, I want to honor my pastor for this opportunity. Opportunity, You know, the Pastor Lewis, he, um, he, he's got many prophetic words. And one of the prophetic words that he got was, uh, the prophetic word said, If you go after the down and outers, God will give you the up and outers. And uh, I was there when he received the prophetic word. And little did I know that I, I, I literally was a fulfillment of that word. If you see Pastor, you might uh, often see him with a key. Uh, because he had a dream of him becoming a key. And I, all, all, the reason I'm sharing all this is because he unlocked something inside of me that I did not know I had myself. And I'm so grateful for Pastor. And um, the story how we met, met is really funny. Um, uh, I was at a conference in Pennsylvania. And... Um, I had commuted a long way. I had to catch a bus and a train. And uh, I had my skateboard back then. And I, I didn't have a car. So long commute to Pennsylvania. I was at a conference. It, it was a Christian conference. I was just so happy to be there. And towards the end of the conference, I felt like the Holy Spirit tell me, Hey, uh, I want you to miss your train back home. I'm going to give you a ride. And how many of you know that, uh, you know, you need great faith to actually believe something like that? <laughs> and um, I, was, uh, I was a little scared. I said, God, are you sure? And he said, yes, I'm sure. And I was like, okay, God. And, uh, you know, the factors were, you know, it was really cold outside. I, I, I kind of, how many of you, like, God gives you a word. You have, you have faith, but not enough faith. And then you start Googling, like, reasons why you don't have to do what God said. So I was like... Okay, um, maybe I can go sleep in the train station. Train station closed. Uh, maybe I can, you know, find somewhere else. No, it's freezing outside. And it was really hard to trust the Lord. But I remember the Holy Spirit told me, he said, get up and take a left and walk down. And so I got up, I got up and I walked down. And he highlighted Pastor Lewis to me and he said, he's your ride home. Little did I know at the time. A week prior to that, my wife and I were praying for a home church for me. So I was like, man, I want a home church. I've not had a home church for a while. Um, just started working. I moved. So um, I, was, I prayed. And then uh, I went to pastor. And I'm like, hey, I don't know if you know me. Um, I live in Bridgeport. I, I, I live in Stamford, Connecticut. Could you give me a ride? And he's like, sure, I'll give you a ride. And he doesn't even know me, right? And so... Um, yeah, I, I go on the ride with him and we connect and he invites me to church. And here I am. I mean, I never thought I would be standing in front of you today. It's, it's truly an honor to serve under such an amazing leader. He unlocked something in me um, that, that literally would bear much fruit in the kingdom of God. Um, so I just want to honor him. Secondly, I want to honor my parents. They are here from India. I want them to stand to their feet. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the wonderful thing about my parents is um, they are prayer warriors. Um, and even though, um, you know, as many, if you're a parent, 
Uh, you have a child, you love your child so much, you, you want to know what's happening in the heart and whatnot. But as a parent, you're not always going to be able to know what they're going through. Um, and with my parents, uh, they've just battled on their knees. And when we were going through hard times, you know, they battled on their knees. And I just want to read this scripture real quick. Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with the promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if you're a parent today, I just want to encourage you. Continue to um, pray for your children because there are battles that they're going through. Just like a Moses and a Joshua. Uh, there needs to be a generation who goes up to the mountain while the other generation fights the war. Um, so I just want to encourage you, even though you might not fully know what they're going through, um, there will be a time in your children's life, like for my life, I encountered God. And once you encounter God, no matter what the world tells you, it becomes a foundation. You're not going to be shaken. So parents, I want to encourage you. And if you're a child, I want you to honor your mother and father. Um, that's clearly what the word says. Uh, sometimes it might be hard to honor them. But there is, a, there is a promise you get when you honor your father and mother. So yeah, um, jumping into the sermon today. I've entitled today's sermon, Love the Key That Unlocks Life. And I encourage you to take notes today. Um, I believe that a short pencil is, is a way better than a great memory. Uh, so if you can go ahead, take notes, it help you remember, recall, and meditate, it, meditate on it throughout the week. I've always studied the Word of God, or the Bible, to know more about God. Who here in, in this room, study the Word of God to know more about God? Raise, raise your hand. Even if it's just a verse, you know, you want to know more about who God is. That's a valid reason. But... I felt like a shift happening in my life personally. As I continue to read the word of God, I could see the word of God read me. And as the word of God started to read me, it started to question me in my walk. So it, it was more than, hey, I want to know more about God. But the word of God was reading me. Who am I in the Lord? Am I walking in the Lord? And I want to encourage you today. You know, you're the only Bible somebody will ever read. Think about your colleagues, think about your friends, even maybe your family members. They don't know anything about God, but they, your life speaks a better word. So I want you to become the word rather than just read the word to know the word. Become the word and practice it out. Um, so I just want to encourage you. And that shift really helped me because... Now, more than knowing more about God, more than wanting to know more revelation, I want to be more like Christ. And I want to walk out the walk that God has called me to walk. So I just want to encourage you today, as we open up the scripture, to literally embody the scripture so that the world around us will see the goodness of the Lord through our lives. Our life would be a sermon in and itself. So... We know the story where Jesus, fully God yet fully man, humbles himself, takes on the, sh the form of a man, born in a manger. 
And he is walking this very earth that he created. And as he's walking the earth, he's, he's surrounded by people because of the, the signs and the wonders, the miracles, the healings, the deliverance. And he's surrounded by people as he's walking. And we find a blind man by the side of the road. And he hears that Jesus is coming down that road. His name is Blind Bartimaeus. And it's, it, there's a huge commotion. I want you to picture this with me. Blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road. Huge commotion. People all around Jesus. And literally Jesus is passing by. Blind Bartimaeus screams... Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And the people tell, hey, keep quiet. Don't disturb him. Keep quiet. Don't disturb him. And he screams even louder. So Jesus calls him forth. He asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. And Jesus heals him. But it always astounded me why Jesus was okay with being associated with David. Blind Bartimaeus called Jesus and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Because I, I know the book of Psalms and I know the story of David. How many of you know that David is called the man after God's own heart? Raise your hand. He's called the man after God's own heart. But yet David made one of the biggest blunders, sins, sin that you could possibly imagine. So I'm reading the scripture and I love the scripture because how real it is. The scripture is not sugar-coated, perfect. It's real life. And if you know the story of David, you know what I'm talking about, but I'll go into that later. David was a man after God's own heart. But why did he fall? He actually committed adultery, not just adultery, but he also committed murder. But yet he was referred to as a man after God's own heart. But let me show you through the scripture where he got this identity and how we see he actually fell from that identity. In Psalms chapter 5 verse 3 it says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice to you and watch. O God, Psalm 63 1 and 2 says this, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalms 119 verse 147 says this. I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. I hope in your word. The common thing we see in these three verses is this. David would rise early in the morning to seek after God. Because he loved the Lord and because he was rejected by his own family, his brothers and his fathers, if you know the story, when um, Samuel came to anoint the king, uh, his, David's father Jesse showed all the son except him. Didn't even consider him a son, but God chose him. Why did God choose him? God chose him because of this. He sought the Lord in the early hours of the day. He seeked God. He gave God the first place throughout his day. If you go on to know his story, what happens is David, he commits adultery. So let's read how he actually slips into sin. If you turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel 11, 1 and 2, I'm going to read that real quick. In the spring of the year, 
the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. So I want to really quickly kind of show you why David fell. The first reason why he fell was because it says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. There's literally a season when kings have to actually go out and fight. But in that time, he sent his commander-in-chief to go out and fight. And he stayed at home. He had grown lethargic. He had grown lazy. Because he had come to a place where he became king of Israel now. And all that seeking in the morning had gone away. And if you go ahead and read verse 2, it says, It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch. Wait a minute, David. You're the one who's mad, who's after God's own heart. Yet you, you, you wake up late in the afternoon, not even seeking the Lord now. You know what I mean? So David finds himself where he's not seeking the Lord. He's lost his first love for the Lord. So friends, the reason why David fell was not because she was beautiful. But because he had lost his first love to God. He stopped seeking the Lord in the morning. And I'll get back to his story and show you how he, he recovered and came back to his first love. Love the key that unlocks life. The text for today, and I want you all to open your Bibles to this text. It's Revelation chapter 2 verse 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned your love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has a ear, let him hear to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in paradise of God. So this scripture, Jesus is talking through the spirit of, through the angel is talking about Jesus talking to the church in Ephesus. And he commends the churches for many things. 
One of the things he commends the churches for is their toil. The second thing he commends the church for is their holiness. And the third thing he commends the church for is their sound doctrine. But yet he says, if it's not founded on the cornerstone of love, he says, but this I have against you, that you may return to your first love that you had at first. I want you to read Hebrews. I want to read Hebrews chapter 4, 12 and 13. Because I want you to know that God sees the intentions of your heart. God is not like a man who sees your external appearance and what you do. But he looks deep into your heart. He sees why you do what you do. And we're going to read that in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrows, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nothing is hidden, my friend. Nothing is hidden. God sees the intentions of your heart. And today I want to encourage you. If you feel that burning in your heart right now. That you feel that you have lost your first love. I feel like Jesus is inviting you back to your first love. And what is that first love? First love is to love the Lord. It's to love Jesus first. Just like David did. He went from being a shepherd boy all the way to be a king. How? Because he had the first love for God. He loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. We see in this verse, Revelation 2 verse 2 onwards till 7, that Jesus commends their toil. Toil because, he says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance. The definition of toil is this. Perseverance even when it brings you pain. It's that mentality you have where no pain, no gain. Lord, I will serve you no matter what. Even if I faint, I'll serve you, Lord. It's that self-pride toil. But Jesus actually commends the church. He says, good job, church. You've done this well. Good job. You've done this well. He commends their sense of duty, number one. Number two, he commends their tolerance for sin. Because we read, how you cannot bear with those who do evil. They did not tolerate sin. In fact, they walked in holiness. They walked in a way that pleased God. Today, many of you might have your righteousness based on your holiness. You know what? There were temptations and I did not overcome them. I, I, I was presented with opportunities where I could have messed up, but I didn't. My holiness. Jesus commends the church. He's commending you today. Good job. You've done well. And the next thing he commends is sound doctrine. He says, you call yourselves, you did well in identifying false prophets and apostles. You have a, a strong theological understanding. That means they had a strong understanding of the word and not just the word and even applying it. They applied the word of God well. So Jesus commends them. He said, you did good with that. As a matter of fact, it says, 
he says, you hate the Nicolaitans and I hate the Nicolaitans. Why does he hate the Nicolaitans? Nicolaitans, that word Nicolaitans in Greek, Nico or Nike means victory. Lydans means people. There was this understanding in the church back then where the clergy was better than the common man. That means your priest is better than you. They were not like that. They didn't say, hey, wait a minute. If you have a platform, they are better than the people. No. They had this common understanding that we all are saints. That we all belong to the body of Christ. We're not better than anyone else. Or the clergy is not better than the common man. We are all in this together. So Jesus actually commends them for that. But he says, but this I have against you. That you've fallen out of your first love. Friend, why do you do what you do today? Why do you, why are you serving the Lord? What is the motive or what is the cornerstone on what your life is built today? Jesus says this parable, right? He says, a wise man built his house on a rock. When the storm came and the wind blew, it stood firm. A foolish man built his house on sand. And when the wind blew and the storm came, the house fell and great was the fall. And I'm reading that, uh, I'm reading that, um, I'm reading that uh, what, parable and I'm, I'm, I, the word great was the falls jumped out at me. And I'm saying, oh, wait a minute. Great was the fall? That means the house must have been big or the house must have been really large. That's the only reason why it would say great was the fall. And then it made me start to wonder, hey, wait a minute, what am I building my life on? Is my life built on my career? Is my life built on my relationship, on a, on a marriage? Or Even though those things are good, if they take the number one priority or the foundational cornerstone on what you're building your entire life for, when the storm comes, not if the storm comes. Jesus knows that everyone who lives this worldly earth, right, will face struggle, will face uh, trials and tribulation. But if you're, you're built on the foundation of Christ Jesus himself, oh, what a joy that when you face trials and tribulation, you will stand firm. But those who seek after the pleasures of the world, those who seek after the wealth, their career, maybe it's a marriage, a relationship, a family, the American dream, they're built on these foundations that will not last when the storm comes. So my question to you, Today, my brother, my sister, is what is the cornerstone of your foundation? A, a good way to identify it is where you spend your money and where you spend your time. If your majority of your time and your resources are going to something that is contrary to, to God and his house and his kingdom, it shows where your heart really is. So I want to encourage you. I'm not here to condemn you, but I'm here to encourage you to, to look inside and see what you're, where, where are you building your life on? Man, I was in the world and I built my life on my career. I built my life on um, relationship. And I know that no human being is going to keep that foundation strong. 
I can't put so much faith in my husband or wife or whatever you, you, you find yourself in that your entire life is built on that foundation because they're not perfect. Man is not perfect. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your, your father, your mother. Maybe it's your career. You're struggling all these years to get there. And once you get there, you realize, wait a minute, it's not that great after all. So what are you building your foundation on? Jesus commends their sense of duty. Jesus commends them for the tolerance against sin. Jesus commends them for the sound doctrine. But he tells them, you have forgotten your first love. Colossians 1 Verse 18 says this. He, referring to Jesus, is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he himself will come and have first place in everything. Today I want to ask you, my brother, my sister. Is Jesus the first in everything? Jesus is jealous to have the throne of your heart. God, it says in scripture, all the fields of the world are already his. All the cattle are already his. All the the, the creatures are already his. But there's one thing that God does not have. And that is your love. God will not force, twist your hand to make you love him. Because love cannot be love if there is no free will involved. You cannot be forced to love someone. You cannot be forced to, to, to surrender your heart to someone. It has to come from within. God is looking for your love. And my friend, I want you to know that God's looking for your love because he first loved you. The scripture says there's no greater love than this. Than one laid down his life for you. I remember when I encountered Jesus. I remember when I was at that church that day. And I said. I was walking on the line for a long time. One foot in the world. One foot. I was like yeah I don't agree with this in the Bible. But this. So I was walking back and forth. And I kept walking down that road. Until I hit a dead end. When you walk down that road where you're one foot in the world and one foot in God, you will be so torn in your heart that you will hit a rock bottom. But when you hit the rock bottom, it'll bring you to a reality. A reality that either life is worth pursuing God or life is worth pursuing the world. And then you think to yourself, like I thought to myself many years ago, wait a minute, I tried that thing. I tried that relationship. I tried that career. I trusted that person. And nobody could satisfy because nobody can satisfy. And only Jesus can satisfy. Everything that this world has to offer for you. Let me tell you a secret. Everything that the world has to offer for you. Will fade. But the rock of Jesus Christ. Will remain. I remember when I was lying down in bed the other day. Long time ago. I said man. What I'm going through my parents might not be able to understand. Even though they love me. My friends may not understand even though they love me and care for me. My church pastors may not understand even though they love me. My church community may not understand even though they love me. 
There's nobody here right now but you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I need you, I cried. And man, oh, man, did he meet me there. When you empty your life to nothing but him, he becomes your everything. He becomes your everything because you realize, wait a minute. When I was four years old and almost died in that accident, he protected me. And I didn't even know it. And everything comes back. And each day you live with a brand new awareness. You know what? I'm a part of his story. I'm not a part of my story. I'm a part of his story. And when I become a part of his story, it becomes history because he likes to write his story in our lives. He must be first place in everything. Jesus answered when he was asked this question, what is the greatest command? And think about it, the Jewish people were strong in their um, religious duties to please God. As a matter of fact, they had 613 laws to follow. So difficult. And so they questioned Jesus trying to trap Jesus. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest command? And Jesus says this in Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said to him, You shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first command. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend the law and the prophets. It's not a coincidence that the foundational factor... That Jesus is saying all the law and all the prophets hinge on these two commands. And the common theme of those two commands is still this, love. And the first thing he says is love God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you might actually find it hard to love your neighbor as yourself because you don't love yourself. But you can only love yourself based on the price that was paid for you. Let me tell you, people this day and age, they traffic organs. And they sell it for millions and millions of dollars. But let me tell you the actual price that you are worth today. That God let go of his own throne. He looked at you personally. And said, you are worth me leaving my throne, leaving my throne and coming and dying for you. When that hit my life, it changed my life. When I, when I read that scripture, it said, while you were yet sinners, while I rebelled against God and said, you know what, God, I'll do it my way. Even though I had that attitude, God said, no, I like that one. God looked at me, if you, if you talk to my school friends today, they would say I was crazy. I was literally out there. And no, and when I realized that Jesus looked and he said, yeah, that's Joshua right there. He's the one that the world thinks there's no way he's going to be all right. There's no way he's going to be fine. He's too much of this or that. There's all these labels on him. I choose him. Let me die for him. Let me put my place for him. So that he can inherit something so beautiful. And if you talk to my friends today. 
they would be shocked and they would they wouldn't even have an answer my life tells a story to the world that i am a new creature in christ jesus people who know my old life can tell you today the reason i do what i do is not because one day i, I woke up and said i want to be a better person let me be a better person no i encountered life himself jesus said i am the way the truth and the life nobody goes to the father except through me and when i when i talk to people of different faith they're like wait all all paths lead to the same way and i ask them this question oh is that true then why did jesus have to suffer more than everyone else why did jesus have to go through the torture and they didn't have an answer why is there only one tomb in the world that is empty today why is there only one tomb that's empty today it's only because there's only one way jesus said he is the only way there's no many ways there's only way jesus christ himself only way to the father jesus goes on to push it even further about love matthew 10:37 to 39 whoever loves father mother more than me is not worthy of me whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it today we live in a world where love is the most distorted word we see we see people living in open relationships homosexuality adultery multiple sex partners the one common theme with all these is this self satisfaction i am my own god and i make my own choices i will not submit to any god i will make my own choices but that's not what jesus says jesus is saying hey if you want to follow me let me tell you how you need to follow me you need to pick up your cross daily deny yourself and then follow me jesus doesn't say oh it's going to be easy just come no he says deny yourself all of us are denying ourselves every day as christian believers we deny ourselves and follow him The scripture says narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow, broad. Church, I'm not here to put you down, but I'm here to tell you Jesus is worth it. I'm telling you my life is an example, the adventure and the 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 great <laughs> the amazing faith and all the journey I have with the Lord is so worth it. so worth it i wouldn't trade going to the world anywhere even close to knowing the creator think about that you get a chance to know the creator of the universe the creator of the universe the one who made the stars in the sky have you seen those beautiful birds with all those color you have access to him 24/7 and you think i'm going to live my life for something else it's not even a battle it's not even a question wait a minute i'm not even going to focus that i'm going to focus on the lord 
And when I focus on the Lord, there is a transformation that happens in my heart. But it has to start with love. It has to be founded on love. Many people walk away from the church. And as I would talk to leaders, I said, what is the key to longevity? How can I walk with the Lord till the last breath? And And the reason why people fall away is because of doctrine. Why doctrine? Because all of a sudden people start to believe, hey, if God so loves me, why did he let this happen to me when I was a kid? If God so loved me, why did he abandon me when I was a kid? If God so loved me, why didn't I get my dream job? If God so loves me, why didn't he heal? But the the question there becomes, it's more focused on you than it is God. Maybe you can change that question and say, you know what? I don't understand why that happened to me. But I choose to trust God because he made me. He made, he formed me in my mother's womb. He knit me together. He he counted the hair on my head. His thoughts for me are as numerous as the sand of of the sea. I'm going to focus on that. Maybe I don't have an, I don't have an explanation to things, but I do have this. That when I surrender my heart to him, he loves me. And because he loves me, I love him too. And the other reason why people walk out of the church is this. Because when they fall in sin, the church does not embrace them with love. The church needs to embrace people with love. We are not called to to close the doors or to act like better than the rest. But we are called to love. Love our brothers and sisters. Love them well. I remember a story where my friends and I, we were fasting for three days. Never fasted for three days. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said we were at a conference in uh, Kansas City. And we were fasting for three days. Never done it before and we were so exhausted. I was like, wow, I don't know how people actually do this. And, but, you know, the Holy Spirit asked us to do it. And so we were tired. By the end of the day, I remember we started scrolling and looking at food. And we were like, wow, this looks so... Who's, who's been there before? <laughs> yeah. So I started scrolling. We were looking at food. We were like, oh, man, we need to eat. And so it's late that night. And uh, we're looking for a restaurant. And all the restaurants are closed. And so we were like, okay, what can we get? And the only option was Domino's. So we decided, you know what, Domino's would still taste better than, you know, whatever. But so we were like, okay, let's go to Domino's. So we go to Domino's. And this lady, the waiter, uh, she's a one-man army right there. Maybe there was another person helping out the kitchen. But when we saw her, she was answering the calls. She was making the dough. She was getting the pizza, this and that. She was angry, frustrated, tired. She's cussing everyone. And we were like, okay, we want this. And she's like, okay. And then um, we wait next 20 minutes, nothing. And she's just frustrated. She's just angry. And she's just like, she's had a rough day. And so even though she had a rough day, we were like, man, we're hungry. We need food. Like, God help us in our weakness, right? And I felt, uh, and we got our food and we, she just, she just, she was, she had a mean attitude. And so she, we ate our food. And then we were satisfied and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want you to give her a big tip. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) 
Okay, Lord. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to obey the Lord. So gave her a big tip. And she looks at me and she's like, why do you do that? You make me feel bad now. And I'm like, well, let me tell you why. Because I, there was a time in my life where I got something I didn't just, did not deserve as well. In my life, when I realized that God loved me, I realized that I wasn't worth it. The first thing I realized was, wait a minute, God, you actually love me? 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 And I just cried. I remember that day I cried and said, God, I'm so sorry. I did not know you loved me so much. I am so sorry. And I kept saying, Lord, I'm sorry. And I cried and cried and cried. And it was simply because he was pouring out his love on someone like me who did not deserve it. And so I went on to share that with her. And she started to cry. And then she gave her life to Jesus that day. She gave her life to Jesus that day. She gave her life... But what I want to share is this. I could have acted out of my flesh. I could have been rude. I could have acted out of my desperate need and hunger and demanded my customer rights. You know, I could have done that. But there's a beauty in humility. There's a beauty in servitude. There's a beauty in picking up that cross and following him and not having it your way. My, my brother, my sister... If only you can fall on the foundation of his love. Man, he loved us first. We love him because he loved us first. He's calling us back to that first love. He's calling you back to your first love. I feel like even now, I just feel the Holy Spirit just interrupt. And he's showing you the places in your life where you've replaced your love for him. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's just busyness of duty. But he's, he's saying today, even now, my son, my daughter, if only you see if only you see how much I love you and how you can love me by just looking at me, everything will change. Everything will change. I want to share a quick story. There was a lady named Martha. So Martha, she, she got married to John and it was an arranged marriage. And so they were working out their marriage, learning to love each other. And in the process of that, that, that learning, John just is so dissatisfied. He writes a big letter with several points on the letter and gives it to Martha and says, Here, this is what you need to do to please me. And Martha loves John. Don't get me wrong, she loves John. So she reads the letter and she toils. She works hard at pleasing John. I'm not saying that we should do that. But she loved him. So she toiled. She toiled. And then as they were going through life, John meets with an accident. And John dies. 
So Martha starts to mourn her loss. And through the process of mourning, God heals her heart, restores her. And as God heals her heart and restores her, she starts to come to life again slowly. In the process of coming to life, she meets this man, Gary. Gary starts to love her and she starts to love him. And they fall in love and they grow to marry each other. And through marriage, they, they fall in love so much that Gary is pleased to do things for her. Martha is pleased to do things for Gary. And so they, they, they go on to have children. And one day Martha was looking at her old suitcases and she finds a crumpled paper. And in that crumpled paper, she opens and reads it and it's that letter from her ex-husband. Of all the duties she had to do to follow, to please him. And so she starts to cry. And as she starts to cry, her husband Gary rushes to her to console her and says, Are you okay, sweetheart? And she says, honey, you don't understand. This was the letter from my ex-husband. He gave me this letter with all these rules, all these duties that I had to do to love him. And he asked, sweetheart, why are you crying? And she says, I'm crying because I do all these duties in our marriage too. And I didn't even know that I was doing them. Because I was so in love with you. I was so in love with you. Today, my friend, you might be a Christian trying to walk this walk. And you might be toiling in your duty to please God. Toiling in your ability to please God. But I want to remind you, my friend, my brother, my sister, if you only love God and see the fruit of love, Become more perfect in your life. No longer do you not want to sin out of duty. But you don't want to sin because he loves me. I can't affect. I can't let this relationship be affected. Because he is so worth it. He paid a price with his blood for me. Why would I even think to sin? Because I love him and he loves me. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to have one thought in my mind. That he does not have about me. Because he died for me. He paid a price for me. And so I live from this place of love. And it changes everything. My friend today. Ask yourself the question. Are you striving in your journey to follow Christ? Are you striving in your heart to love him? I want you to begin to love him. And do the simple things like David did. He woke up early in the morning to spend time with the Lord. To seek his face. He gave God the first place. I tell this to even the kids at youth. I say, even if it's two minutes a day in the morning, give your first best to God. And be consistent through it. And see how your heart will be changed. And I used to struggle with sin. I always battled to overcome sin. I never was able to overcome sin. But when I focused on loving God, oh yes, I was able to overcome sin. Many of us are battling a sin. When you focus on love, automatically 
You overcome sin because you're so in love and enamored by Jesus Christ. It's easy to work out of love. I want to share my story as we close. Right before three weeks or so, maybe four weeks, maybe actually five weeks ago, I was invited to this conference or this gathering called 40 Under 40. And there were all pastors and leaders who were under the age of 40 throughout the New England region. And I remember there was a time when we started to worship. Malachi, if you can come and play the keys. We, we started to worship and all of us were worshiping. And I just turned away. We were all facing this way, worshiping. I, I turned away and I started to love God. I just poured out my love. I said, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then the spirit of God started to open my heart the eyes of my heart to see where I had been caught up in duty, where I had been caught up in, in works, where I've been so caught up in pleasing God and trying to get it right that I forgot to tell him I love him. You can be praying for revival every day and not tell Jesus you love him. It means nothing if not love. And I began to just cry and say, Lord, I love you. I couldn't go past Jesus, I love you. Usually I have, I, I know what I'm going to pray next. I want to pray for this person, that person. But not this time. I just wanted to tell him I love him. It was so long since I actually told him, Lord, I love you. You mean the world to me, Lord. You've changed my life inside out. Jesus, I really love you, Lord. And I kept saying it again and again. And so I remember I called my wife um, and I told her, I feel like God is calling me back to the first love. And I just felt this, this ease in my heart. I, I can't explain it. It's just becomes so easy when, it, when the foundation is love. And I remember next day the pastor, the lead pastor says, I feel like God is asking pastors and leaders to come back to their first love. And he looks around the room and he says, I feel like there was someone in this place who even spoke to their family last night and said, I feel like God is calling me back to your first love. And I remember at that moment, I felt like heaven was open. And I felt the love of God rush me. I couldn't even say a word. And I was just trembling because I knew my heart was bare before God. And he was looking at me at that time. And I just, I couldn't help but weep. Weep. And I said this, I started to weep. And I said this sentence, I said, Lord, I can't believe that you got into my boat. And for those of you who don't know what that means, Peter, the disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the apostles, Jesus got into Peter's boat. It was just another day, my friend. You don't see. It was just another day for Peter. He was going fishing. When the Savior of the world, the Son of God in flesh, stepped into his boat. He stepped into his boat. And when they were fishing and they couldn't catch the fish, they couldn't catch the fish because there were so many fish. Peter
recognized that he was in the presence of the creator of the universe. And Peter goes to his knees and says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner of unclean lips. I remember that moment. I said, God, you got into my boat. And I just cried because it takes me back to that time where he got into my boat. I didn't deserve it. You don't understand. I don't deserve it. But he got into my boat. He got into my boat. Who am I, Lord? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you care for me? If you care for the lilies and the sparrows, yet you care so much about me, who am I? I remember he met me that day. And it brought me back to my first love. And man, does he love me even though my, life, my love for him fluctuates. His love for me is constant. It remains through the good, through the bad. He remains steadfast. With every fleeting breath, he loves me. He loves me. I want you to just close your eyes and whisper those words. He loves me. He really loves me. He knows me. He cares for me. He knows every hair on my head. He knows every fiber of my being. He is the one who breathed life into me. He loves me. He loves me. I want you to stand to your feet as we close. I feel the Spirit of God wanting to flood people's hearts. But before I close, I, want, I started off with the story of David. And David, David messed up. I love the fact that the Bible is real. The Bible is, doesn't cover sin. It talks about sin. David was an adulterer and a murderer. If David was in today's day and age, he wouldn't survive. But God still chose to call him a man after his own heart. Why? Because of how he reacted when he sinned. 2 Samuel chapter 12. The context of what's going on here is David murders Uriah, who's Bathsheba's husband, by sending him to the front line in battle. And there's a prophet, Nathan, who comes and confronts him. David recognizes his mistake and repents by wearing sackcloth and fasting, hoping that his child with Bathsheba would live. In spite of the word of God from prophet Nathan saying, the child would die. We're picking up on the story, verse 18. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died. And David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him and he did not listen to us. How then can we tell him his child is dead? Since he might do himself harm. But David, but when David saw the servants were whispering... 
David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David got up from the ground, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. I want you to, I want to focus on that word worshipped right now. David repented and he came to worship God. Why did David come to worship God? Because David returned to his first love. Why am I saying David returned to his first love? Because worship brings you back to your first love. The act of worship is not self-seeking. You know the word that you're receiving now? It edifies you. But worship is only towards our Creator. It's only towards the King. It's outside of you. It's worshipping Him. David returned to his first love. Because he recognized that worship is not just song or dance. Worship is every action that you do. Every action you do should be done in front of an audience of one. That is true worship. The scripture says, we do not worship in actions, but in spirit and in truth. That's what worship is. It helps you return to your first love. As a matter of fact, David Solomon was born from Bathsheba the second time, showing a prophetic understanding of God's grace to David, even though he had sinned. With the same woman he committed adultery with came the next king of Israel. Because God was gracious and heard David's repentant heart and recognized that David had come back to his first love. You might ask me, how do I return to my first love? Revelation 2 verse 5 says this, Remember therefore where you have fallen. First step is to remember where you have fallen. So take a minute now and remember where you have fallen. The second thing says, repent and do the works you did at first. Repent. Come back and do what you did at first. I want you to recognize that Jesus through the Holy Spirit is stepping into your boat again. I see the Son of Man stepping into people's hearts right now. And as you repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I come back to loving you and doing everything out of the foundation of love again. I repent, Lord. I repent. We're going to sing the song and I want Danny to help me sing the song. It's called, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Because it's all about you, Jesus. Coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you, where it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made. Sing along. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. 
it's all about you when it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord just close your eyes right now and sing it from your heart it's all about, it's all about you, you jesus it's all about you jesus i'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the things i've made and when it's all about you when it's all about you jesus i want us to just receive the love of god right now i feel like there's someone in this room who've been struggling, some of you in this room who've been struggling with sin and, it, and I feel like Holy Spirit saying, son, don't focus on the sin anymore. Daughter, don't focus on that sin anymore. Focus on loving me. Focus on loving me. Come back to my heart and watch the sin disappear. I have made you and I have formed you. And I love you. So just receive His love. You, I'm going to take a minute to just receive. If you don't love yourself and you struggle with loving yourself, just receive His love. Because you find yourself in His love. You find yourself in His love. The drugs is not going to satisfy. The alcohol is not going to satisfy. That pornography is not going to satisfy. The lust is not going to satisfy. Multiple people will not satisfy. Only Jesus will satisfy. So taste and see. Taste and see. Encounter Him today. Right now. Encounter Him today. Let's sing that again. One last time. Oh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made And when it's all about you It's all about you coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you where it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the things I've made and where it's all about you when it's all about you Father, we come before you today. We accept the invitation to return back to our first love. Not in our own ability, God, but in yours. Because you first loved us. Would you give us the strength to love you, Lord? To keep our eyes focused on you with the foundation of love. 
though mysteries will fail and though prophecies will fail love will not fail faith hope and love the greatest of these love so father i bless your people i pray that they would walk with a foundation built on the cornerstone of loving you and the fruit of their life would impact the world around them in jesus name i pray amen god bless you church thank you so much for coming you are in the hands of the ushers